Hello and welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I am Ross. And I am Gordon. Hi Gordon. This time I want to relate a story that stands up one of my personal choices that when I go out to make images outdoors of subjects that are in the short distance range. And it relates to that often discussed idea of a second lens. And your definition of short distance? Let's say under 25 feet or under seven and a half meters from the subject to the camera. Okay. So that would cover a lot of the images that I make over time. Uh, super long lenses notwithstanding. Yeah, and in a recent experience, I saw other image makers, same scenario, working with 200 millimeter plus lenses inside that range. I myself was using a zoom primarily at 400 millimeters for the subjects involved with rare reductions to about 150 millimeters, but never less than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perhaps you're working on an exercise in filling the frame? Well, one should always fill the frame. Although to do so with the types of subjects involved, I did find that a longer focal length lens was beneficial. The narrower angle of view made filling the frame simpler. Okay, I'll follow that too. So given your description, what is this second optimal lens? For me, the optimal second lens is not a lens at all. It's a hot shoe mounted flash in TTL mode. I had a feeling that would be the case. But uh, doesn't the use of flash um, make things look very flashy? Obviously, it depends on how correctly the flash is used. But in truth, anyone can do what I did and without any specific configuration required. Okay, so take me through the process that you used, please. Certainly. The subjects in this scenario were raptors of the avian variety. Ah, those raptors. Being photographed as statics, so they were in one place, subjects outdoors, each between somewhere between 7 and 20 inches tall, at distances between me and the subject of between 8 and 12 feet. I used my zoom lens to allow myself to move around and still have the ability to quickly build a composition where filling the frame is an inherent part of doing so. The light was fortunately very overcast, so no harsh sun and no harsh shadows, which makes things much easier. However, there's a negative impact on the subject's coloration because the light is so flat. And their coloration ran from stark white to nearly black. So consequently, the coloration changes in the plumage were for the most part very subtle and typically with a preponderance of browns and tans. Okay, sounds okay so far. That would mean there was no exposure varying all over the place, and no super bright highlights, and no harsh shadows. Exactly so. What we would characterize as very flat light, and, in my opinion, a little bit boring. And that would mean I would have to spend more time in post 
to bring out the textures and the subtle variances than I really was willing to invest the time to do. But many people enjoy doing that. Absolutely so. True for them, not true for me. If I can do anything to get it right in camera, I will. And in this situation, as in so very many, it was actually very easy to improve on my situation by using an on-camera flash. What kind of specific benefits did you find from doing this? The addition of the flash as fill made the plumage colors pop without looking like the subject was whacked with a flash. I'm happiest when the image pops, and when I'm using a flash, it's not apparent that there was a flash involved. I find that the fill flash also fills in some areas of shadows, which lifts the shadows out of the hole into an exposure zone that now has enough data in the file to allow some minor manipulation to bring out that detail in post. The fill flash also added some subtle increases in contrast that helped to differentiate textural changes and edge definition. It's a fascinating fact that it creates sharpening in the raw image by increasing this little bit of contrast, and that reduces the requirement for overly aggressive sharpening in post. But uh, can you tell me what your settings were? Now, I know that you say replicating specific settings in different scenarios is totally pointless, but just give us a general idea. Well, let's be clear. I say that duplicating a shutter speed, ISO, and aperture for a different image in a different time and place and different subject is an act of foolishness. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't always overexpose if the snow is a big part of the image or underexpose if the darks are a big part of the image. Okay. And uh, so what settings uh, did you make on the camera? Well, I chose an ISO of 800 because it would permit the combination of shutter speed and apertures that would serve me best, that would allow for no camera shake, and shallow enough depth of field that the raptor would be sharp where I wanted it to be sharp, and the background would be aggressively out of focus. I selected an aperture of f5.6 because at 400, that's the maximum aperture the lens could deliver, and I chose without the flash turned on to let the shutter speed float. And so I was shooting in aperture preferred mode. I knew that I would be using flash so the shutter speed would be fixed. And I did not want the ISO floating all over the place which could impact the overall brightness or darkness of the scene. By choosing to see in advance, I was able to be more precise. Well, I made some images that I was not happy with. None of them had an exposure problem. And the flash? Well, as my camera was fixing the shutter speed to 1 200th of a second when the flash was on, and it was always on, I just set the flash to TTL mode and turned it on. Surely you underexposed the flash uh, to make it to perform its uh, fill function without looking as though a flash had been used? I did not. I certainly could have set flash exposure compensation to a negative number, perhaps minus two-thirds, or something like that. But as you know, I would always prefer to have more light on subject than less in accordance with my predilection to follow exposed to the right methodologies. The flash was set to TTL, no flash exposure compensation. 
and I didn't use any ambient exposure compensation in the camera either. So it sounds to me like you are positioning this methodology, if you wish, as an incredibly simple and that the fill flash work without being overpowering in any way. I have to admit, I don't have exactly the same experience all of the time. Right, and I see that too. Um, and heck, I've done it myself. And invariably upon closer inspection, it's due to the photographer failing to fill the frame with the subject. I chose the focal length that I did to ensure that I was filling the frame. Thus, any exposure calculations being done in the camera were metering only the elements that mattered, that is, those in the frame, not those in the distant background. These simple composition guides, such as fill the frame, when applied solve an enormous number of problems that otherwise you might have to correct in post or, in a worst case scenario, be unable to correct and have to toss the image. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... In summary, then, you chose a focal length that will allow you to fill the frame, chose a default TTL flash setting for automatic balance to fill flash, and then use your time on composing and timing for the subjects. It sounds simple. So... Take that home with you, listeners. I am Gordon. I am Ross. Yes, as we've often said, keep things as simple as possible, but no simpler. Please feel free to leave a comment or post a question. If you do shop with BNH Photo Video, please use the link on the main page. It pays us a small commission and costs you nothing more. Thanks again for being part of this group. For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, we bid you peace.